Welcome to this new episode of the European Hoops Podcast. We cover the EuroLeague and the top FIBA events. I am André and this is our basketball expert, Diogo Valente. Hi guys, hope everything's doing okay with y'all. We are here for another episode of European Hoops Podcast. So André, let us know, man, what do we have for today? Today we will be talking about the round seven of the EuroLeague. We will go over each one of the nine games that will take place. And uh, you guys should keep an eye out because we are making small adjustments in the way that we are delivering our podcast to you guys. We will have some uh, small surprises here and there and some small additions to make sure we are covering all the aspects of the EuroLeague and we keep improving. We have been receiving very good feedback from all of you. We are impressed with uh, how many places in the world there is interest on in the EuroLeague. It's becoming more and more of a global brand and a global product. And uh, we are happy to be along for the, the ride and for the journey with you guys. Keep uh, learning and uh, most of all, be able to deliver to you guys everything that happens from what to expect and also recapping what has happened and the impacts that that has on the competition moving forward. And that's what we will continue to do. We will have our recaps coming out divided in two parts with the first part being referred to the first five games of each week. And then the second part, usually The, the next uh, four games and the review of the standings to that moment. We will always go over any news that break and that are relevant to the competition. And uh, let's get into the round seven and our preview of round seven that we will be doing on the third day of the week. And we start with the game between Olympiakos and Basconia. And this is a game from teams that in the last round have had different locks. Olympiakos lost and Basconia comes with a win. They are second in the competition. These are two teams that uh, we uh, have different expectations from them heading into the... In, from what we expect from them moving forward in the competition. We expect more from Olympiakos. We think that Olympiakos is closer to by adding one piece, be able to be a contender, while Bascogne is a team that um, they don't have much to lose. So each game, they will be able to to try to compete for each game. And that's usually a good approach to be able to 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 surprise and to overperform game to game. What do you see as being the crucial keys for Bascogne to be able to surprise Olympiacos or for Olympiacos to control and dominate this game? Well, uh, I have two factors here uh, that I think will be crucial for this game. Uh, first of all, we know Olympiacos is a, a very good defensive team and not a great offensive team. And Basconia is the complete opposite. So Basconia is a very good offensive team and they struggle defensively. So I think it's going to be very interesting here how these teams are going to match up because if Basconia is able to, to play their usual offensive game, they have a chance to compete. But uh, Olympiacos is a very good defensive team And I believe they're going to cause many troubles to, to Basconia's offense, especially playing at home. And secondly, I think the rebounding is definitely an important question here in this matchup because Olympiakos, with all those bigs, with a fall, with Milutinov, they're obviously a, a much bigger team. And with the, the defensive aggressiveness that they have, uh, they should be um, on their way to dominate this game as far as rebounding goes. But uh, if Basconia wants a chance to compete... They, they need to do a, a very good job of boxing out and, and guaranteeing possessions because if they don't, it's going to be a struggle for them. 
it's surprising to see that uh, heading to this game, Basconia uh, has a bigger rebound average per game than Olympiacos. We wouldn't expect that when we look into these teams, but it's, it happens because Basconia is a very good offensive rebounding team, and it's because of yeah. the energy that they put into the game and into players like Chima Monaica and uh, the energy that they bring into the game. Olympiacos being able to impose themselves and use that size that you're referring to will certainly be crucial for them to, to control the game and to dominate the game. Well, for Basconia, for me, the, their ability to not only bring that energy into the into this match, but also be able to keep their turnovers in check into a great defensive team as Olympiacos is, will certainly be crucial for them to be able to be competitive. And if this becomes a high-scoring affair, what we rarely will see in a game against Olympiacos, but uh, if that uh, if Basconi is able to do that, that's where they have a chance and that's where they have a, a chance to compete for, for this game. In terms of individual matchups, which, which one will you be tracking on this uh, game between Olympiacos and Basconi? Uh, definitely Marcus Howard and Thomas Walkup. Uh, I believe Marcus Howard has the, an argument to be one of the best offensive players in the competition. And Thomas Walkup, I believe, is the best guard defender in the competition. So I think that's going to be a pretty exciting matchup. Uh, obviously, Marcus Howard with the scoring ability and the shooting ability and Walkup just doing a bit of everything on the floor, especially defensively. I believe those two guards are going to give us a pretty nice matchup. I'm interested to see how Chiosa will be looking like heading to this game and if he will be able to be a more predominant player for Basconia and also his potential matchup against a player like Walkup and how Olympiacos will be managing the defensive assignments on this game. We know that Howard is a player uh, that can get uh, hot and cold in any given game. And uh, we know how impactful he can be for Basconi when he is on a, a hot night. And for sure, Olympiacos will be trying to contain him. And nobody is better than Walkup to do that uh, against anyone and any guard and any backward player on the, the air leg. Next, we have the game between Efes and Jalgiris. These are two teams that lost both of their previous two matchups. Heading to this game, Efes is at the moment with two wins and four losses, while Jalgiris has three wins and three losses. With the game being played in Turkey and with Efes needing to bounce back, I do think that they should be seen as favorites. But uh, what will be determinant for them to be able to impose themselves against Jalgiris? Well, I think they need to push that pace because uh, I've said this plenty of times. I don't think Zalgiris has enough talent or enough firepower to keep up with the, the better teams. And I do think FH is a better team than Zalgiris and has better players and more talented players. So I, I believe they should push that, push that pace. I believe they should go to, to Will Clyburn because I don't see Zalgiris having anybody who can really match up with him. So I, I definitely think they need to explore that. But they are the better team. They just need to, to show it from the from the jump and, and play aggressively and push the pace because I don't think Zagreus can keep up. For me, it's will we see Efes doing that? We know that at times they don't and that's what they can have an advantage in a matchup like this that they should be able talent-wise to dominate. But for Zalgiris, I will be looking at their three-point volume. Uh, they are a good three-point shooting team. They sometimes lack in the volume and the uh, the ability to create enough open shots for their shooters to, to be able to, to give them an advantage. That's, for me, the way that uh, Jalgiris can be competitive on this game against FS. And for FS, the 
the ability to dominate inside with their big man and also the the ability to run and take advantage of uh, the transition game that they can have with such a talented team and a team that can play at the level that uh, they can. In terms of individual matchups, and this time around I will go first, for me, if Roland Schmidt is able to compete with Will Clyburn, that's a way that Jalgiris can be competitive, and that for me is the key matchup. While we know that Keenan Evans is clearly the most important player for Jalgiris, Roland Schmidt being in a good night and one of his good nights, we know how important they can be for the Jalgiris. For me, that matchup is my key individual matchup for this game. What about you? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, when we talk about these key matchups, you know, I always like to go to to the guards. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Keenan Evans and Shane Larkin. Uh, I think. Those are two of the most dynamic players in Euroleague, two of the best playmakers too. So I think it's going to be very exciting to see those two guys battle it out. Um, obviously, Darius Thompson has been struggling a little bit uh, coming into this season with FH. So I think Shane Larkin needs to, to take over the, those playmaking duties because Darius Thompson hasn't really shown the ability to lead that team yet, even though I think he's capable of it. So I think Shane Larkin will be the guy with the ball in his hands and obviously for Zagiris, we know it's Keenan Evans every day. So I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup. All the the bigs from FS will also be very important on this game because this is a matchup where they can have an advantage. But on the other hand, uh, Zagiris being able to go small and giving some trouble to those bigs can also be determinant for, for the outcome of this game. And uh, those will be some of the crucial aspects on this matchup between FS and Zagiris. Two teams looking to bounce back, and especially FS if they want to be seen as contenders because we know that they have the individual talent to be seen as such. This is a, a game that they really should aim at winning. We know it's early in the competition, it's only round seven, but in such a competitive Euro League, and even with the playing format, trailing too far behind, it can uh, give you, can put you in trouble. And for teams like Efes and Milano, they certainly need to start adding wins in the start. And these type of matchups are the ones that they cannot uh, fail and they cannot allow themselves to lose. Next, we have the game between Maccabi and Bayern. Maccabi comes from a very important win on the not the last round, the game, delayed game that they had from the second round that they played against Milano. And that was a very important road win for this Maccabi team. Bayern, in, in the other hand, they have been giving us some good signs and they have talent that allows them to be a very competitive team. But they have lost their previous three games. This is a home game for Maccabi, but we know that they will be playing in Belgrade, they are home games moving forward. How do you expect this game to unroll? And uh, mostly, how can Bayern uh, give trouble to this uh, Maccabi team? Well, uh, I, in my opinion, for Bayern to be uh, a competitive team, uh, and I've said this before, they, they need to be shooting the ball at a very efficient rate. I think they have very good shooters, but they haven't been able to really have a, a crazy three-point performance uh, so far. And I believe they have the ability for that. And of course, the bigs have to be, I'm not going to say dominant, but they have to, to be very good on the boards because even though Maccabi doesn't really have a big that you say like, oh, he's one of the best bigs in the competition. But the fact is they have a lot of options there with Nebo, Rivero, uh, Jake Cohen, Sorkin. They, they have a lot of guys who can go out there and get boards. So I think Ibaka and Devin Booker need to be on point in this matchup. But uh, I think the shooting 
aspect is the most important here because Maccabi is a team that can score at a very high level. So Bayern needs that three point sh- that three point shot to be to be effective for, for them to be able to compete. Yeah, we know that uh, nobody will really totally stop Maccabi, or that rarely will be happening. We with a player like Lorenzo Brown, uh, it will be it's hard for a team to be able to completely stop them. But um, for Bayern, the 25.8% three-point shooting that they have until this point of the season, it's a clearly low, 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 low mark for a team uh, talented as they are. They need to be able to fix it, to find better looks, to 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 have a better shot selection, and that will allow them to, to be more competitive and to, to play at... Um, to, to be able to compete with these higher level teams because yeah. they have the talent to do it, they just don't have the consistency to, to be able to do it. Then for Maccabi, the ball sharing, it's always key and they average 22.6 assists per game so far in the, the competition, while Bayern uh, averages 14. And that is a, a way that Bayern can try to impose themselves. While they won't be able to stop Maccabi, they can try to be disruptive in the way that uh, Maccabi plays. Their bigs have been very good. They have been a good rebounding team. That's a, a way for them to to give themselves second chance opportunities and mostly to avoid the energy bigs from uh, Maccabi that usually have such a good impact into the game to 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 be as impactful as they can be and uh, to try to make this a close matchup between the, these two teams. I do think that advantage is for Maccabi, and I think that Maccabi should be seen as favorite heading into this game. They just have a more... Uh, their ability to produce offensively is more consistent than Bayern's ability to do so. But uh, in any given game, Bayern can compete against any team, and I won't be surprised if this becomes a, a competitive matchup between these two teams. But um, right now, my lean goes strongly to, to Maccabi. In terms of individual matchups, what will be key on this game? Uh, I think uh, Lorenzo Brown and um, a big one from Bayern. I mean, you have <laughs> Bolmaro, Carson Edwards, Silver and Francisco. So you have a lot of options there. Uh, I think all of those guys could give Lorenzo a, a good matchup. But like you said, they are lacking the consistency. And I think that's their biggest issue. Because if all of those guys can find a way to be consistent, and I think Lazo can also do a better job putting them in positions to be consistent because they have the pieces for it. They don't need one of those guys to put up 20 every night. They, they, can, be, they can just play a role within this team. Um, but I think all of those guards can give Lawrence O'Brien a good matchup. They definitely need to be on point defensively because if they allow Lorenzo to go off and to do like 20 and 10, it's going to be a rough night for them. But I think uh, Lorenzo versus whoever of those three guards from Bayern, <laughs> I, I think, think could be a very nice matchup. Yeah, Lorenzo is quite good. And so I will quickly go over my individual matchup. <laughs> I am looking at Isaac Bonga and uh, Bonzi Colson. Colson yeah. has been a source of uh, points and production for this uh, Maccabi team, and he has been a very important player. If Bong is able to to have a defensive impact against uh, Bonzi on this game, but himself is able to also produce offensively, I think that's a way for the for this Bayern team to be more competitive, and that's a player that uh, or a, a particular matchup, an individual matchup that uh, Bayern can uh, find some advantage on this particular game. What do you make of the recent rumors of Lorenzo Brown being one of the players that is a possibility to reinforce the backcourt of Milano? Well, 
I don't know if they're going to be able to get that, but uh, if they could, I mean, of course, uh, yeah. Lorenzo would help any team, and especially a team struggling like Milano. And what they need is a, a, a guard who can score and who can play make. And there's not many guys better than Lorenzo yeah. in Euroleague. So obviously he would be a, a perfect fit there. Yeah, we have heard several names like Shaquille Harrison. Supposedly Milano has made an offer for him. You know where we stand on these rumors. We we wait for them to be to be confirmed as true, and then yeah. we will break them down for you guys. But we know that, uh, and the, the important part here is that uh, Milano is looking into reinforce their backcourt. Maybe they listen to the podcast, or maybe they just watch their own games, and they know <laughs> that they need to reinforce that backcourt. And Lorenzo Brown seems to be one of the players in the mix. I do think that he will stick with Maccabi and will continue to be one of the, the most important players in the EuroLeague and for this Maccabi team. And I think Maccabi was able to, despite everything going on in and inside and outside the court with Wade Baldwin being injured and way worse things happening outside the court, um, they were able to, to have a good start to the season and they are where we expected them to be. And I think that they have margin to improve and to be playing even better. And I think this is another a team that we will see continue to, to play at a very high level during the season of the EuroLeague and just continue to build in what they did last season and be once again a playoff team and a very competitive team that will have aspirations to, to reach the Final Four. We know how hard that is, but uh, they will be in the fight for that. Yeah, for sure. Heading to the season, we had both Partizan and Fenerbahce as two... Uh, top teams and two teams that will be competing for the, the final four. Well, it, they have been having very different seasons so far. Partizan has two wins and four losses. Fenerbahce has five wins and one loss. After a somewhat rough start for Fenerbahce, and especially on their backcourt, back they seem to have found some stability and they have been performing at a very good level and at the level that uh, we expected to see from them. Partizan, on the other hand, they really uh, have been struggling. They need to find consistency. They need to find production besides the, the great Avramovic that we will never be tired of praising because of the way that he plays and he impacts the game. But they need their top players to perform as such and uh, for them to, to aspire to be the contenders that we think that they can be. And we expect to see improvements as the season goes. On this specific game between Partizan and Fenerbahce, who do you think that uh, has the advantage or should be seen as favorite? I believe Fenerbahce should be seen as favorite. Uh, I think they are the most, well, I mean, probably one of the most consistent teams in, in all of EuroLeague, maybe outside of Real, Real Madrid. Um, and I believe they, they've been playing at a very good level this season. And Partizan, on the other hand, like you said, they've been struggling a lot. And, and especially with Ponitka and Kevin Punter both being out with injury, I think it's going to be tough for them to... to to be at that level to compete with Fenerbahce, uh, I just think Fenerbahce has more options and probably better options too, especially with Punter being out. And just the the consistency that they've shown, uh, obviously, Itudis does a great job getting that team prepared. So I think Fenerbahce has the advantage here. This is one I really struggle with. We, we know that Partizan is adding Bruno Caboclo. We don't know yet if he will play and how much he will play or what impact we can expect for, for game one. I absolutely agree with your breakdown of the game and what we can we can see from this game. At the same time, I think that Partizan is a team that matches well with uh, what Fenerbahce does. And uh, they also have the size and they have the, the ability to match physically against this Fenerbahce team. 
And on a game like that, and I know we have spoken about uh, parties uh, backcourt needing an improvement or someone to step up within the players that they already have. I still remember what I saw in the, the first rounds with Fenerbahce. And if Partizan is able to come into this game being physical, being disruptive, I think that they have enough to give trouble to this um, to this Fenerbahce team and in a high-scoring game between these two teams to be able to, to come out of this game with a win. Uh, I think that's on the table for this game. I think this will be a very close matchup. And for me, the way that Partizan can win it is by being disruptive, being aggressive and being very physical against uh, this Fenerbahce team. Do you think uh, Partizan can hang with Fenerbahce in a high-scoring game, like you said, without Kevin Potter? So yes, I think so. I think the, okay. that they have enough to be able to just score uh, a lot, almost regardless of uh, having Kevin Punter or not. Can they win a close game in clutch time without Kevin Punter? I think it's very, very hard. To be able to keep up a high score, even without Kevin Panther, I think so. Partizan has enough shooting and uh, has enough uh, options to, to share the ball, to move the ball and to find ways to score. And they have been a team that uh, has been scoring a lot. That I don't think it will change. Now, will they be able to win a close matchup without Panther? That's, that makes it uh, very, very hard. But uh, I think that uh, if Fenerbahce is able to disrupt, uh, sorry, if Partizan is able to disrupt enough Fenerbahce, they do have a chance to to win this game. But of course, I agree that Fenerbahce should be seen as favorites and they are playing the, the better basketball between the two. In terms of individual matchups, and uh, without picking Scotty Wilkin, who are you? <laughs> who is, no, I'm joking, picking whoever you want, who is the key individual matchup on this game? Uh, uh, I was actually going to go with the bigs here. Uh, I think Kaminsky, <laughs> Kaminsky on partisan side, he, he has been uh, stepping up his level of play. He has been playing at a much better level the the past few games, and, and I think Papa Janic has been insanely valuable for Fenerbahce. He he's been shooting threes at a at an insane uh, efficiency level, uh, something we hadn't seen from him before uh, in Panathinaikos. So uh, I think these two guys, with their ability, both of them to to stretch the floor, both high IQ players and both decent rim protectors at this level, especially Papa Giannis. Uh, I think they could have a very interesting matchup inside. And I believe both of them, uh, obviously each one for, for their team, I think are going to be very important throughout this game. I will uh, cheat a little bit here and I want to go <laughs> with just an individual match. I'll go with uh, James Nunnally and Zach Ledey against Deshaun Pierre okay. and Nigel Hayes-Davis. Okay. I think that the players from Partizan, Nunali and Ladei, uh, have a chance to be able to compete against the Paul George and Kuai of Europe as you <laughs> baptize them. It's not a given, and uh, we know how good Nigel and Pierre are. But if Nunali and Ladei are able to somewhat impose themselves, outscore these players and just give them trouble to be able to, to find ways to, to win this, uh, this particular matchup. For me, that's the way that Partizan gets into this game and wins this game. So for me, that will be the, the crucial matchup, for individual matchup, even if I'm che- cheating a little bit, forgive me, <laughs> to decide this game. Yeah, that's obviously uh, also a very good matchup. Uh, and I think Nanali has been playing at a very high level. So if those two guys from Partizan can hang with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, like like, <laughs> like we like to mention it. Uh, I think that could be a, a very interesting matchup, of course. But uh, I got a question, since you mentioned that. Uh, who's the Westbrook for Fenerbahce? 
Is it <laughs> yeah, probably it would be. But then it will be who is the James Harden, and then that's yeah. I think it's Tyler Ta- Dorsey. <laughs> yes, I was going to say Tyler. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. No, Fenerbahce is a great team. Has a lot of talent, yeah, and they sure, are getting sure. better. Uh, but yeah. I still think that um, the point guard position is still key for them. I think yeah. this is this was a team that was ready to come and try to win and try to compete with Real Madrid and all the other teams when they had Real Neto because they went for a high-profile player there and that was really the player that will put it all together. Unfortunately, Raul got injured in the World Cup and I think they are missing him while the roster is still insanely talented and uh, has, we do all of these compa- comparisons as a joke, but it's also because of the impact that these players have in the game and that Nigel and Pierre have. Last season, they really affirmed themselves as being elite forwards and elite players in the EuroLeague. And we have seen how impactful they can be in this game. And that's why I am picking this particular matchup and see if uh, Nanali and Luday can uh, can give them trouble and just impose themselves. Nanali, as you said, has been playing very well. He has been the best scorer for, uh, for Partizan so far with 12.7 points per game. And that, for me, is the way that individually, but uh, looking for those players and to have your scheme to, to allow those players to to show up and to flourish in this game is the way that Partizan competes and tries to get the, to get this win. This takes us to the end of the part one uh, preview of this round seven. We will bring you the, the part two right after. Stay tuned. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Teacher Zero League so you don't miss out on uh, any of our episodes. And this is one of the, the first innovations that we are bringing into this season and moving forward. We will have four weekly episodes. We will try to deliver to you like uh, bite-sized episodes of 25 to 35 minutes with uh, recaps of the the previous week and uh, with previews of the, the action ahead. We will have more content. It will include updates on our power rankings, the best players in the competition, the best coaches, Everything regarding the EuroLeague you will be able to find here at the European Hoops Podcast. We will be giving a lot of content for you guys. We appreciate everyone that is already following us. Make sure to share the podcast with friends that uh, like the EuroLeague, that follow the EuroLeague, that are interested in learning more about the EuroLeague and following the competition that is one of the most enticing basketball competitions in the world. As always, I'll be talking with you guys soon. Bye, guys. See you on next episode.